Hi, I'm Anna Delaney for ISMG. When it comes to managing your security operations center, what does good implementation of automation look like? And what are the potential pitfalls to avoid? Well, with me to discuss this topic is Corey Mazzola, who's had extensive experience managing global cybersecurity centers and is currently executive fellow at the Tuck School of Business based in Las Vegas. Thanks so much for joining us, Corey. So, Corey, I want to start with how the threat landscape is having a knock-on effect on the SOC. IT infrastructures are becoming increasingly complex. Companies are reliant on digital commerce, IoT devices, and cloud tech and mobile as part of their standard operations. How are these moving parts impacting SOC management? And it's funny you mentioned that too, because uh, I think there's always some back and forth between technology is going to cure the world and it's going to, you know, solve all of our issues. But then on the flip side, and which I think is much more the reality, is that due to the layers of complexity and the disparate systems, third-party systems, the knock-on effects, as you alluded to, with different networks, different providers, different vendors, different platforms, it really creates a not only multi stakeholder, multi-platform, multi-network environment, but it really opens up a lot of different avenues for approach or attack or different vectors for any potential attacker. So I think there's inherent hazard in the sense that even though you may lock down 99.9% of your enterprise, which we're talking aspirational numbers here, mm-hmm. but the attacker, of course, the bad guy only needs to find that one. And it could be some system that's hidden in the network that you don't troll, it's a third party, you'd even know it was on your network. So there's always going to, maybe it's an ICS with, you know, IP enabled system that you weren't aware of. So there's all sorts of different issues and and troubles and problems you can run, run into. And I think a lot of that is really due to some of that complexity and some of that interoperability or lack thereof that we're seeing from all of the different uh, levels and, and components and layers within the networks. Talk more about the complexity and how to overcome that. Uh, so I think having a top-down approach and getting ahead of the problem is is really helpful. So when you're looking at procuring technologies, when you're looking at what are the big projects that we're bringing online within the organization, within the company, then how can we both have a process-oriented approach? How can we have policies that are going to be supportive of reviewing a lot of the big projects, a lot of the big technologies, a lot of the big systems, a lot of the big networks? And can we do a security assessment of it on a regular basis? And especially as we're looking to bring those technologies on, is analyzing what some of those risks are. What are the potential impacts? What are the different technologies that we're working with? What are the risk factors and profiles? And are we cataloging those for later reference as well as we bring other systems online that may have knock-on effects too? So it's kind of taking a, a holistic approach to the problem and of course working organizationally to address it working with procurement, working with HR, working with legal, working with privacy, working with IT and uh, finance and all of the other relevant stakeholders, just to make sure that you're all um, kind of aligned with your approach, uh, also what you're looking to achieve, and just making them aware of what some of these potential issues and pitfalls might be as you're looking to bring some of these other vendors, platforms, and services online, and just what kind of some of those collective outcomes might be. We frequently hear that SOC analysts are overwhelmed by the number of daily alerts they receive. We know automation can help. What does good implementation of automation look like? 
from a big picture perspective, really, we're just looking at either taking some easy wins where we can and saying, hey, we've got, uh, you know, three analysts that are working on this process over here, we can do some automation to support that, whether it's uh, leveraging SOAR or some other means to script or automate or put some simple processes in place to be able to support and enable kind of streamline that. And then on the flip side, if we're looking to take the big battles or the big wins, then we're looking to, to really retrofit some of our approach and some of our technologies that we're using from the top down, whether it's the ticketing system and leveraging instrumentation and some of the other means to really put those cross connects in place and be able to do automated pools from the SIM, from our alerts, from our instrumentation, from our telemetry, and put some firewall rules in place or other defense measures that are going to really have a, a palpable impact in what we're doing and how we're defending the network. So can you give me an example of a process? You mentioned simple processes that can really work to streamline the whole process. Uh, yeah, I sure can. So I think when we're looking at streamlining, right, so having our, our processes, our procedures, our playbooks defined and readily available, and really having a hard grip on what we're actually looking to do, what are the outcomes we're looking for, what are the processes we need to do on a daily basis, on a regular basis. So I think that's kind of step one from an ABC perspective. And then on top of that, we're just looking at, hey, where can we go from here? What are those next endeavors we want to do? What are those secondary and tertiary processes that we're doing on a regular basis that we can look to automate, that we can look to leverage some of that automation to make our job and our day a lot easier, as well as kind of multiply what we're doing from a manpower perspective. You mentioned interoperability. An organization SOC should be built using applications designed to work together. Various tools, though, in, in a traditional cybersecurity stack tend to be disparate, siloed solutions that are, that are difficult to manage, to integrate, to use. How can security and risk leaders work to build that interoperability? Uh, great question. There's a few different ways to approach and tackle that one. But I think with probably the, the path of least resistance and the easiest one is really just to work collaboratively and closely with a lot of the key stakeholders in that group. So you're thinking information technology, the IT group, operations, engineering, any of the relevant stakeholders that are really responsible for onboarding, developing, testing, and, and bringing a lot of these key systems online, as well as any other groups or lines of business that are supporting big infrastructure systems, enterprise systems internally. It's really working collaboratively with them to make sure that, hey, guys, here's some of the risks, here's some of the things you want to be aware of, and here's what we're looking to achieve from a cybersecurity risk management, information assurance direction. How can we align our efforts? How can we line up what we're doing so that we're working on the same sheet of music with our SOC and with our systems and with our analysis capabilities and with our threat detection and response so that we're working directionally or basically in the same way towards here's our end goals, here's what we both want to achieve? How can we coalesce and reconcile our respective objectives for what makes sense for the company? So, hey, maybe this is the exact system I wanted for our security group and the IT and the audit and some of the other risk guys wanted to go a little different direction, but there's going to be some room for us to compromise and some room for us to work together 
especially if we're looking at cooking some big fish and going for some of those bigger enterprise suites and systems that we can probably go for even the same vendors on many cases that we're both going to be happy with. And, and a lot of this is, is probably going to be more pertinent to IT than some of the others. But of course, there's opportunity with a lot of them. Now, earlier you mentioned what good looks like, good automation. What does bad look like? What are some potential bad use cases or pitfalls to avoid? I think bad looks like wasting a lot of time and money. And I think that's where, where some of my counterparts have run into some trouble so far. Not that I haven't, but really just spending a ton of time working with a lot of vendors and kind of spanning out a lot of the potential use cases for what you can do for automation. And I, I mean, some of these are, are pretty simplistic too, where you're just looking at triaging and Incidents from a tier one perspective, doing it to response and, and lever- operationalizing threat intelligence, and then really getting some of the orchestration running with some of your infrastructure, you know, think firewalls, proxies, uh, other infrastructure you're going to be using for network defense and, and cyber operations and security operations in general. So I think those are some of the core use cases that you're going to be looking at from a foundational and fundamental perspective. And I think it's still early in the maturity cycle as far as getting enterprise solutions, unless you're really starting from bare bones, architecting the solutions, working with some of the leading vendors that are out there already in the space and kind of baking it out from the bottom up in a very thoughtful, concise, and planned manner. And even then, like I said, some of the capabilities still aren't fully big. So it's really just going in eyes wide open, not having grandiose expectations that you're going to press a button and the socks can be automated tomorrow with robots flying around. I think it's healthy just to understand where we're at from a maturity standpoint and where we're going with that cycle. So I think it's got some long legs. We've still got a ways to go with respect to, to operationalizing some of those use cases and doing it in an automated fashion. Uh, But with that being said, there's also uh, a lot of opportunity too with what we are doing with some of the basic ones. A lot of the groups I've been working with so far, it's really boiled down to getting some really good scripting done, which can be really helpful if you got some smart guys to do that, which we've been doing forever. And then leveraging some of the native instrumentation as well as the bolt-ons and different modules for some of the ticketing system, some of the workflow management tools, some of the other systems that can interact and have interoperability with a lot of the endpoints, with a lot of the uh, infrastructure and applications, and even some of the software too. So I think there's some early gains to be had too. But uh, again, this is definitely a nine inning game and we're, we're in early innings so far. Great. And Corey, finally, not forgetting that people are part of this equation. What's your advice to security operations managers over the coming year, whether it's regards to people, process or tech? I think people are one of the most important pieces of the equation here. And of course, I think that's ubiquitous across pretty much any industry. But for for us, I I mean, it's still high tech area. It's still high growth. You still have high demand from um, uh, everybody across the board. And And I don't think uh, the working at home environment has really, and COVID environment has really changed that dramatically. So it's really about investing in the folks, making sure everybody is keeping on top of their skills, 
I think motivation and keeping everybody's eyes on the prize and heads in the game can sometimes be a challenge, especially working remotely and everybody's got personal issues and other stuff that's going to be at the fore just during this challenging time, which is to be expected. So I think it's being able to support them remotely, being able to keep the, the team and the organization intact, make sure the uh, SOC processes and I think this is probably where monitoring and, and managing a lot uh, remotely for just making sure that you have a, a firm tally on what's being done, what's accounted for, and, and what the folks are, are taking care of and having those uh, K- KPIs and, and metrics uh, in hand is going to be very helpful. I know it has been from what I've seen so far. Making sure that you're investing in them from a, a professional development standpoint, if you have some clearly defined uh, goals, roadmaps, and um, other objectives that you're working with them collaboratively on so they can move forward in their career and, and achieve their aspirations. I think that goes a long way with making sure that you have happy, healthy SOC operators. Again, it's a two-way street, making sure that we're investing in them, keeping them up in the game and sending them to training conferences or um, other opportunities to develop themselves professionally, as well as within our workspace. And then on the flip side, being able to hold them accountable for some great work as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Corey. It's been great talking with you and reflecting. Thank you. Thanks, Anna. Anytime. Once again, I've been speaking with Corey Mazzola, Executive Fellow at the Tuck School of Business and for Information Security Media Group. I'm Anna Delaney.